It says you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. And neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. How are we called to live in this world? God has a purpose for our lives. In the passage we read earlier, he says that as strangers and aliens in this world, we are to abstain from sinful desires which war against our soul and live such good lives among the pagans that though they may accuse us of doing wrong, they will actually see our good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. As strangers and aliens... They frame how it is that we're to relate to the world around us. We're to relate to the world around us as strangers and as aliens. How well do we fit in to the world around us? How easily can we assimilate and look like the world around us? We have a call on our lives to be influencers, to be change makers. To be those who carry the light of Jesus into a world that desperately needs him. There's really only one way to make change in the world around us. There's really only one way to make a difference. The only way is to be different. It's the only way. You can't make a difference unless you are different. We can't be different Unless we're from a different place, we have a different dad. We're so easily deceived into thinking that we have to have skills and we have to be really gifted in order to make a difference. The scriptures teach something entirely different. That it's those of us who aren't very gifted And those of us who aren't very skilled, who have an ability to make the most impact. It's not about what we have. It's about who our Father is. It's about whether or not we can really trust Him. I want to read a story for you. Marianne Bird wrote a memoir of herself. It's called 
the whisper. I grew up knowing I was different. I hated it. I was born with cleft palate. And when I started to go to school, my classmates, who were constantly teasing, made it clear to me how I must look to others. A little girl with a mishappened lip, crooked nose, lopsided teeth, and a hollow and somewhat garbled speech. I couldn't even blow up a balloon without holding my nose. And when I bent to drink from a fountain, the water spilled out of my nose. When my schoolmates asked, what happened to your lip? I'd tell them that I'd fallen as a baby and cut it on a piece of glass. Somehow it seemed more acceptable to have suffered an accident than to have been born different. By the age of seven, I was convinced that no one outside of my family could ever love me or even like me. And then I entered the second grade in Mrs. Leonard's class. I never knew what her first name was, just Mrs. Leonard. She was round and pretty and fragrant, with chubby arms and shiny brown hair and warm dark eyes that smiled even on the rare occasions when her mouth didn't. Everyone adored her, but no one came to love her more than I did, and for a special reason. The time came for the annual hearing tests given at our school. I was barely able to hear anything out of one ear and was not about to reveal yet another problem that would single me out as different. And so I cheated. I had learned to watch other children and raised my hand when they did during the group testing. The whisper test, however, required a different kind of deception. Each child would go to the door of the classroom, turn sideways, close one ear with the finger, and the teacher would whisper something from her desk. The child would repeat. Then the same thing was done for the other ear. I had discovered in kindergarten that nobody checked to see how tightly the untested ear was being covered, so I merely pretended to block mine. As usual, I was last, but, although the test, but all through the testing I wondered what Mrs. Leonard might say to me. I knew from my previous years that she whispered things like, the sky is blue, or do you have new shoes? My turn came up. I turned my bad ear to her, plugging the other solidly with my finger, then gently backed my finger out enough to be able to hear her. I waited patiently. And then the words that God surely had put into her mouth, seven words that changed my life forever. Mrs. Leonard, the pretty, fragrant teacher I adored, said softly, I wish you were my little girl. We're all different. Yeah, can I have that tissue? That'd be great. Thank you. I was not expecting all of that. Pull it together. Gosh. <laughs> It's amazing what happens when we realize that we're truly loved. It really is amazing. I mean, this girl, she was different. And frankly, we're all different. And this girl was trying to play the same game that everyone else tries to play, to fit in, to feel special. She just didn't have a whole lot working for her, you know? And so it made it a lot tougher. But the truth is, is that we're never satisfied by what anyone else thinks anyway. 
No matter how well we do, no matter how much money we make, no matter how successful we are, no matter how good-looking we are, at the end of the day, it never pays anyway. But one woman saw all of these things and whispered into her ear, I wish you were my little girl. And she says it changes her life forever. The truth is, is that we have a father who sees us. And he whispers into our ear, not only do I wish you were my little boy, my little girl, he goes and dies on a cross to make it happen. Because he just loves us that much. For some reason, it's still a struggle for us to figure out where our identity is. For some reason, we still want to fit in in the world around us. For some reason, we still tend to care what other people think. For some reason, we still want to find a sense of satisfaction in this world. When the Father of the universe whispers into our ear, I am so glad you're my child. The question for us is where do we come from? Who do we belong to? What kingdom are we actually a part of? Who are we serving? Who calls the shots? What do we care about in our life? Honestly, do I care about how successful I am? Do I care about how many friends I have or what my friends think of me? Do I care about what's in my house or what it all looks like? Or do I care about one thing, being with my dad who loves me? If we want to make a difference in our world, then we have to be different. The rest of the world runs around trying to find something in this world to satisfy the emptiness. And there's one way to be different, to clear the stage. And to say that I need one thing, and one thing alone. I need my dad, and I need to know that I'm loved by my dad, and I need to hang out with him. That's it. And if we do that, and if we pursue him, and pursue that love with our lives, then we will change our world. I have at least three hours left of sermon left. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. I've studied so much for this message, and I haven't even started anything that I've prepared <laughs> except for that story. This message just keeps going, and it just keeps going, and it just keeps going, and it just keeps going. I could talk to us about how Daniel and Shadrach, and Meshach, and Abednego were taken to foreign lands, and how the pressure was put on their lives to compromise, and how they were young, handsome, capable men who were given all sorts of power and prestige, and they could assimilate into the world where they were and have it all, but they decided that they weren't of Babylon. They decided that they were of God. And that no matter what the pressure was on their life, that they were going to trust Him. They didn't try to change the world. They tried to know their God and to obey Him 
And they changed everything about Babylon. They changed all the diet of Babylon by testing and eating vegetables and water instead of the pork and wine that the king was handing out. They had King Nebuchadnezzar and King Cyrus on their knees giving offerings to Daniel because they said that his God was the God of gods and the King of kings. They had the most powerful men in the world bowing to their God, not because they were talented, but because they wouldn't bend the knee to the pressure around them and serve the things that everyone else served. And when the music played and the statue stood up and everyone else bowed down to worship, they said, we can't. And they were thrown into the furnace. And on one level, I think they wanted to be thrown into the furnace because they kind of had an inkling that their dad would be there with them in the furnace. It reminds me of one other person who knew where he was from. He said, I am not of this world like you are of this world. I've come from my father and I will return to my father. Listen to Jesus in John chapter 12. This isn't the one that's going on the screen here. We're going to skip that one. Starting in verse 23. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The man who loves his life will lose it. While the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Now listen to the words of Jesus in verse 27. Listen carefully. Now my heart is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. It was for this very reason that I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Jesus knew who his dad was. And all he wanted to do was to be with him, stay connected to him. All the pressure all the pressure to bail. We find out whether we can really trust God, whether we really trust God. The same way we find out whether our hearts are healthy, we find out whether we have heart faith when they're put under a stress test. 
You know how you, that's how you figure out whether a heart's healthy? You go through a physical stress test and they see how the heart holds up. We can believe that Jesus is Messiah. We can believe that our theology is right. But the way we find out whether we can rely on God is when the stress test comes. The pressure mounted. And Jesus submits himself to Pilate and to the religious leaders. Come what may, come what may, I was designed differently. I was called to be different. My dad is different. And I could play all the rules of this game and convince people that my theology is right. But none of that matters. All that matters is that they see the power of my dad who loves me. I don't call the shots. I don't do things my way. I just trust him. And I let him take care of changing the world around me. I believe that each person who's sitting in this room right now has the potential to make significant change. Each person. I don't care if you're in the last year of your life or if you have so little talent and you've felt like an outcast. If your self-discipline is weak and you haven't been able to do things the way that you wish you could have. Changing the world isn't about us. It's about our dad. We've been given a few short years. And we can invest them however we want. But there are two things that vie for our allegiance. God and Satan. The prince of this world or the eternal king of kings and lord of lords. I want to make one thing very, very clear. We serve one of those two all the time. And our lives are spent investing into the kingdom of one of those two all the time. Of the time. We have a choice to make. Will our lives reflect the glory of God? Or will we spend them in love for this present world? That's it. He loves you today. pray. <clears throat> you call us to be strangers and aliens. Strangers and aliens seems like a rough term, God. But really, why would we want this place to be our home? 
Why would we want our identity to be found here? This world is passing away. Its promises are empty. Its love falls short. Strangers and aliens seems like it's a term of sacrifice. And yet, God, it should seem to us like it's a term of hope that we can be connected to something other than just this place. You walked through this world and everywhere you stepped, you changed everything because you didn't belong to this world. You belonged to your dad and you belong to the kingdom beyond this world. Help us to hear you again. Call us out. Sons and daughters of the living God, with the time that we have been given, what will we do? God, we need your mercy and we need your grace. Turn us to yourself. There is a world who is in desperate need of a few pictures of the glory of God. We cannot keep our feet in both worlds. We cannot serve both. But we have tried over and over again to be disciples of Jesus who are still bound by this world. Release us from our sin. Release us from our deception. Break the chains that bind us, that we may live as Daniel, as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, as those unashamed who are willing to be strangers. Help us to live the life of Christ. May all other things that call our name, may all things that scream out for us to find something in them, may their voices be dampened. May our ears be deaf to them, but our hearts alive to you. Give us boldness to walk in your way and in your way alone. You have drawn the line in the sand. And God, we desire to step across and see ourselves no longer as children of this planet and children of this world, but as sons and daughters of the living God. Change your world. Change us. In Jesus' name, amen.